Welcome to the Junkyard Outreach. This is Todd. Thanks for joining me as we go through the scriptures and learn what we can to draw close to Jesus. For more episodes and information, check out junkyardoutreach.com. And now, let's dig in. Jonah chapter 4 verse 1, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the backdrop of this story is God had commissioned a prophet named Jonah to go to a evil city, Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrian Empire in what we would call modern-day Iraq, and tell them that, hey, you got 40 days, and I'm going to judge this nation. And Jonah didn't want to do it, so he flees. And that's when the ordeal with the great fish happens, and he gets swallowed and vomited up on the shore, and then God says, I told you to go to Nineveh. Then he goes to Nineveh. But when he goes there, the people actually repent, and he gets mad, and he's like, Lord, just kill me. So when I think of an example of someone in Scripture who suffered from anxiety, I think of the prophet Jonah. He was a man on a mission And his mission was to run away from God. God had spoken to him and given him an assignment to go to the capital city of Nineveh. And you can look online today at the city. You can still see the ruins of that city. And that city was the capital of Assyria. And Assyria was a vicious empire. And they dealt with their enemies very harshly. And Israel was no exception. Their cruelty was very well known. And Jonah had no love for these people at all. And when he got the word from God to go to Nineveh and warn them of judgment, Jonah said, I don't think so. And so he took off in another direction. And that's when the whole ordeal with the fish occurred. And so Jonah initially ran and then he went where God told him to go very grudgingly. And he didn't want to go. He was a Jew. And the Assyrians did not like the Jews. When he was on that journey from the shore to Nineveh, what was going through his mind had to create a massive anxiety attack. Going to a land where you know they hate you, to a people known for violently being cruel to their enemies, and then going in there and saying, yeah, the hand of my God is going to judge you, totally disregarding their gods. You know, you can imagine what he's thinking. They're going to kill me. And not only are they going to kill me, I know how they kill people. It's well known what they do. And you can look that up, ancient Assyrian cruelty, and you can find all kinds of stuff on that. But Jonah was probably thinking, this is a suicide mission, and not only am I going to die an innocent man, but I'm going to die a horrible death. And the situation had to seem hopeless. And judging from his own words, he was not happy about this, and he probably lost hope because of it. In the scriptures, you got to look at the prophets. Not all the prophets in the scriptures were righteous. There are several prophets listed in the scriptures who were not righteous, but they were still called prophets. Like Balaam, for example. Balaam was a prophet back in the book of Numbers who was not a good guy, but it's documented there in the book that he had a conversation with God. So he had a legitimate prophetic ministry, but he ended up getting killed because he was a traitor. And then there's an old prophet from Bethel, there in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 11, who was a liar. They mentioned him several times as the old prophet or the prophet. They didn't even mention his name. And another guy, Hananiah, in Jeremiah 28, 10, he comes up and he's preaching all this false prophecy. And God tells Jeremiah, go confront him and tell them that he's dead. And then the guy died. You know, in Isaiah 28, 7, it says, These also reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They are swallowed by wine. They stagger with strong drink drink. They reel in vision 
they stumble in giving judgment. In other words, these guys are a mess. At the time of Jeremiah, the religious leadership was really screwed up. And in chapter 2311, it says, both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house, I've found their evil, declares the Lord. So, you know, when you look at the scriptures, just because the scriptures say that this person is a prophet, that doesn't mean that they're a righteous person. And Jonah wasn't a false prophet, and he wasn't a lying prophet, and he wasn't a traitor, but he was a disobedient prophet. He was reluctant at best to carry out God's commands, but he still did what God called him to do, even though he likely saw no way out. And it's like, okay, I'm dead. I am really going to die a bad death. That has to be a sickening feeling. You know, and there's times in our lives when we do the same thing. You know, God's calling us to do something or or we're in this situation and it's like, there's no hope. I don't see any way out of this. This is ridiculous. But in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And when we walk by sight and we lean on our own understanding as we're commanded not to do in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, when we do that, we limit our perspective to the here and now. This is the here and now. This is what's going on right now. This is the way I see it. Well, God sees it a completely different way. And God is doing something beyond our understanding. So we get anxiety a lot because of our perspective being limited because we're not trusting in what God's doing. Or we're doing like Jonah. We know what we need to do, but we're running away from God. That gives me more anxiety than anything. And I've done that. I'm like, I ain't doing that. Man, I'm not doing that. I do not want to go down that road. And God's like, okay, let me know when your life falls apart and uh, you're willing to obey. I'm like, oh, great. And sure enough, something happens and I'm miserable. I come back, all right, I'll do it. I totally relate to Jonah. I totally understand that, God, I don't see this happening. I don't like it. I want to do it my way. And I get all stressed out about it, full of anxiety, full of fear. You know, in Jesus, in Luke twenty two forty two, he experienced a huge bout of anxiety and stress just prior to the crucifixion. It says that he was praying, and he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. In other words, I don't want to go through this if you don't want me to go through it. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. There's the key. There is the key right there to anxiety. Not my will, but yours be done. If we can get that, we will overcome anxiety. It's not my will that needs to happen here, Lord. It's your will, and I accept that. I walk by faith and not by sight. There is the answer, and Jesus gave it to us through his own experience. Anxiety is nothing new, and we're all going to have to contend with it, but the answer is the same as any other issue that attacks us. It's Jesus. What is your will, not mine? When we serve him, we need to expect things are going to happen that make us anxious. Otherwise, why would we need faith? If everything is good and easy, then there's really no reason to have faith. I mean, why? Everything's fine. I don't have to believe in anything. I just kind of go through life. But life is hard at times, and God allows it so we can become stronger. Like in Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Calm seas never made a seasoned sailor. When things get rough and our anxiety is going through the roof, we know there's hope. 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him 
because he cares for you. And then he goes on, he says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So our answer to anxiety, it's Jesus casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You got to believe that because it's true, but there's power in that. You're not alone in your anxiety. You're not alone in your circumstances. God is right there with you. If you trust him, he's going to take you through some stuff. He's going to make you stronger through it though. So be encouraged. Don't let your anxieties overwhelm you. You cast your anxieties on him. You say, Jesus, I am freaking out. Here it is. What do I do? You dig into the word, you dig into prayer, and you watch what he does. He will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you through that. Thank you.